Mindfulness Mode 339. And then she looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I woke up again realizing I might even be able to have a relationship. Hey, welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, host and creator of the Mindfulness Mode podcast. It's very, very good to have you here. Thanks for joining today. When I was in San Diego, I was invited to speak there as a podcast icon. I've mentioned that before. The first person I met when I walked into the venue was today's guest. He started talking to me because he he knew me right away. He listened to a lot of episodes of my show and he started talking about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and how traumatic memories can actually be eliminated in seconds, memories that have haunted people for years. I was, I was totally intrigued and I thought you would be too. I invited him to be on my show and today you will hear Gary talk a little bit about his life's journey and then how he started helping people who are suffering with PTSD. So check out his website, that's memoryenergytherapy.com. That's Memory Energy Therapy. Oh, and another thing, by the way, I'd love to have you as part of my Facebook group. It's called Mindfulness Mode Group with Bruce Langford. So search it up on Facebook. I hope to see you there. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview with Gary Sinclair. Hey, Gary, are you in mindfulness mode today? Uh, what? Mindful. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Gary was one of the first people I met when I went to an event in San Diego a couple of months ago. That was so exciting to walk into the hotel lobby and meet you, Gary, and and start talking. And I thought, wow, we really relate. I've got to have you on my show. I'm going to share a little bit about you, Gary, with Mindful Tribe. Gary Sinclair helps people who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, which you may know as PTSD. His system is called Soul Link, and he's been using it to neutralize PTSD memories in over 10,000 people since 2014. Now, a little bit about Gary. He grew up with asthma and was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at age 22. By age 36, he was wheelchair-bound and had lost 80% of his mobility. As a result of a miracle, at age 42, Gary regained full mobility and became a champion senior figure skater, specifically the U.S. National Senior Olympic freestyle figure skating champion. Now in his 70s, Gary travels the world sharing his story and his remarkable training experiences. So Gary, what a pleasure to have you on the show and to hear your story. Wow. Tell us, Gary, what does mindfulness mean to you and in your life? Interesting question. And thanks for asking. And again, thanks for having me on this show. Yeah, I do pleasure. remember those first initial meetings of seeing us sitting there by ourselves chatting and loving the fact that we had found a way to be commonly connected. That's right. Mindfulness for me is, is because of the background and history that you've described is a little different than the way most people think of it. Because for me, mindfulness is a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's a way of being. 
It's a way of recognizing that I am but the energy of who I am. If I remained the body of who I was, that body would be dead. I wouldn't be here. So mindfulness for me is a recognition that as that heart beats, it produces an energy field. And I am what that energy field is. Therefore, even the thought process that I'm thinking now is a mindfulness of the existence of a creator life force that's presenting to you who I am. And for me, you know, as I say, it's a real different way of looking at it, but I know that I am that which is that energy. And because of that, I'm as healthy as I am. I'm as vibrant as I am. And I'm in love with who I am. I'm love living. I just told you who I am. I am love living. There isn't a question in my mind as to whether that's who I am, because in mindfulness, I'm connected with that which is who I am as life itself. Well, you really come across as that person who loves life. You're vibrant, you're upbeat, you're energetic. Now, as a child, you only had 50% lung capacity. What was your childhood like? I mean, it must have been tough. You couldn't go out and run and play and play games the same way as the other kids. Tell us about it. Well, I think one of the themes for your show is bullying. And let me tell you, I sure knew what bullying was all about. Uh, it, even I can still, the thought goes back real quickly to a time in high school when I realized I was required still to get my feet, the, the uh, PE, the phys ed uniform on and sit on the sidelines because I wasn't allowed to participate at all. And yet I still had to dress up to be there present for the class in order to receive high school credit for doing PE. But the reality was Gary wasn't allowed to. You know, I literally, I knew the hours of the day by the shots that I got. I knew the days of the week. You know, again, by all the medications and everything that I took, it was not a uh, not a pleasant life. <laughs> no, and then at 22, you were diagnosed with MS. So right. how did how did you receive that news? How did you deal with it? Well, you you don't really, you know, you you face a reality. Yeah, you know, I already know that I'm at at that time I'm at 50 percent lung capacity, and later it actually went down to a third before I healed. But you, you face a reality that uh, you're on your way out. You know, maybe it's going to be progressive and the doctors couldn't really give me a long-term diagnosis. But certainly over the next 14 years, as the body slowly went into paralysis, it, it's like a leg goes to sleep. It wakes up, you're in pain. The difference with MS is your body's in pain because it's going to sleep. There's not a thing you can do about it. So, you know, it was it was a progressive looking at the fact that even though I had a wife and at that point in time, two children, I'm on my way out. Wow. And then in your 40s, along came a miracle. Well, I can't wait to hear about this because I do not know about this miracle that happened. What happened? Well, between 36 and 37, I I would sit in my wheelchair and look up at the ceiling and say, God, if you love me, you'd heal me. And dumbly, I never paid attention to the answer that always came back because I knew what I was thinking. So that was my thought. But okay. yet there was always an add-on, a little voice in there that continued. And it sounded a little bit like this. God, if you love me, you'd heal me. And if you loved yourself, you'd heal. There's the answer. And if you loved yourself, you'd heal. You want to know why I'm what love is today? <laughs> My blood work says I have two tenths of a point high cholesterol on the nine pages. I just got back. My doctors would give anything to have my body. <laughs> wow. Again, it's where I'm at. No medications, no nothing. 
So literally, I, I decided to fall in love and test the premise. I'm at one-third lung capacity at the time. And because I did, it took six months, but I can still put my finger just like a light switch on the back of my leg to a point where I know I got feeling for the first time in 14 years. After that, absolutely nothing, absolutely positively, totally, completely could have convinced me I would never heal. So you're saying then that this miracle was your own mindset. Is that right? Well, it was a recognition that the energy that flowed through me loved me enough that I still lived. I still breathed. I still had the ability to have life. And if that was who I was, why didn't I recognize myself as being that which that energy was? So was it when, a natural healing over the years where you got to that point or was it something more sudden? No, it was natural over 16 months. The, 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 the progressively working with chiropractors, acupuncturists, I mean, you name it, I worked with them for 16 months as far as coming back. Okay. It was that six months level where I first got that spot in the leg that confirmed I had feeling where I hadn't had it in 14 years that then empowered me to know it isn't any matter. It's just a matter of time. I'm going to be fully back. Now, so the spot six- in your leg was like a trigger. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, it was an absolute acknowledgement that, that something was going to work. Yeah, six months of, of really holding on to the belief that if I loved myself, I'd heal. And the changes that began to go on in the body literally recreated the body. Yes. So you went to a chiropractor and he adjusted your body. Did he work with you daily or a weekly three, or what? At least three times a week and many times five because, you know, you've had a leg go to sleep. You know what the pain is like waking up. I was progressively in pain of having my body have gone to sleep over 14 years. Now I'm in the pain of my body waking up. So the okay. amount of, and volume of cramps was unbelievable. He did what we call rolling pin massage, trying to get all the blood to atrophy out of the cramps. Oh. But, the, but the real miracle, Bruce, came six months after the 16 months of overcoming the MS, because mm-hmm. that's where God graciously, in a miracle service while receiving communion at a church, gave me full lung capacity from one-third in 15 minutes. Now, in 15 minutes, yeah. you felt like you went from one-third lung capacity to full lung capacity. No, no in- question. I was a skinny runt. My bone structure literally lifted up in my chest area. A brand new set of full and complete lungs that the doctor verified the following Tuesday dropped down into my lungs, and I went from one-third lung capacity to full lung capacity in 15 minutes. I was the dizziest dude in that church. Well, tell us about that 15 minutes. Was there a minister? Were people laying hands on you? Were people talking in tongues? Tell us more about it. No, it was actually just a normal, everyday communion service that happened every Sunday at the Lutheran Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, literally... The wonderful thing about it is I told my wife at 9 p.m. on Friday night that when I took communion, my lungs were going to heal. And when the senior pastor got up and started serving communion, he interestingly said at 9 p.m. on Friday night, I got a message from God that when people take communion today, their lungs are going to heal. I looked at my wife and said, see, here we go. Oh, okay. I took communion in the standard line because it's a communal cup. I headed back. I went over to the senior pastor and I said, I've got these pills in my pocket that I'm going to give to you because I'm going for a ride up into the mountains this afternoon. And as I go, I'm not going to need these pills because my lungs are going to heal. And boy, he turned my hand back over and said, Gary, don't, don't you think at least, you know, these ought to go with you? And I turned his hand back over and said, whose faith are we to doubt, mine or God's? As I headed back to my chair, there was a fluttering feeling on the inside. There was almost, almost like somebody was tickling me. And next thing I know, I mean, my rib cage is actually lifting right out. 
And as I said, I became the dizziest person. I couldn't stay sitting up in my chair. I had to lay on the floor because I became so lightheaded, so dizzy. It wasn't a faint feeling. It was a head rush. You know, people talk about being on a rush or whatever. I mean, something hit me that gave me oxygen I'd never had in my body in 36 years. It was just <laughs> wow. I can it was still sudden. remember this like, wow. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like... I'm I'm sitting here and I can see you because we're on a video interview here and you're just glowing. But I'm sure some of my listeners are are thinking, you know, I'm a skeptic. Like, uh, tell me more. How can you convince people of this? I mean, this is really astounding. This is yeah. an amazing story. So how do you convince skeptics? Well, they can look at my medical records. My doctor two weeks before had agreed that he was going to have to double my dosage of medication in order for me to, to continue to breathe. And already at that point in time, I shook like a drug addict for 20 minutes after I took my medication. He said that the average dose that I took uh, the average dose of just one medication called Theodore, average person might take 300 milligrams in the run of an entire 24-hour day. I was taking 1,200 milligrams every four hours and doing it round the clock. So I knew already that if, in fact, he doubled my dosage for me to continue to be able to breathe, it potentially would wipe me off the face of the earth. And I'd already healed from MS. I wasn't ready to die. I needed a miracle. So I told him, even then, you're going to have to wait two weeks and I'll come back because I'm going to heal. And you so got the miracle. Within and two weeks, I'm back. I'm back two weeks from that Tuesday. He walks in with this stethoscope. He walks up. He begins to listen to my chest. And all of a sudden, he backs up with these great big eyes and says, okay, Sinclair, out with it. What happened? Wow. <laughs> and then he said this. I mean, he said, with your MS, you're only in remission. Understand that. But this we have to call a miracle. And I pointed my finger at him and I said, you know what? You can call it MS remission. You can call it anything you want. But I'm telling you, I had MS. It's the only way I will ever describe it for the rest of my life because my life is totally changed. And then you became a skater. Now, did you get into other sports too? Or was skating the only thing? Why did you choose skating? If you realize 14 years of progressive MS means my legs gave up on me. Right. I mean, the first attack, I'm sorry, I'm feeling it in a moment. My first attack, the left side of my body went. So dragging a leg after that wasn't easy. Right. By the time you look at 14 years and realize somebody's pushing you around in a wheelchair, the first thing you want to get back is your legs. And I wasn't concerned about my arms. I've never had muscles in my arms. To this day, they don't want me to really lift much over 30 pounds because I had allergy shots for 36 years. Oh. I mean, literally, I never lifted weights. I never did any of that. But getting my legs back was so important. Plus, I had lost the balance mechanism on the left side of my head to where 80% of what was there was gone. So where upright was was something I had to really work on to know. Because if you put me in the dark, I'm falling down. I don't know where upright is. I need something visual to relate to. So even in spinning with figure skating, I used the pressure in my fingertips to know where my center was. There were things that they did, but again, the key was I had to get my legs back and be able to walk comfortably, even in the dark. So then you had never skated before, right? Well, well I, I had at least put skates on, you know, at, at a community rink like Caribou, Maine. And I'd go okay. around the rink once and go back and sit down and they'd listen to me go, <laughs> okay, because I'd gone around the rink once. And then in your 40s, you put skates on and you decided to become a figure skater. Well, and tell us about that journey. Oh, it was interesting because uh, e even as a child, I had drawn stickmen 
of what it was like every year when I watched the winter or uh, whatever it was every four years when I watched the Winter Olympics and I would dream about what it was they were doing. So that became even more of a challenge to realize I had, I still have the pictures of these sick men that I drew and working with coaches. It, it took me six years, but literally at age 42, uh, I became the senior Olympic gold medal figure skating champion. I just, I didn't go on any further because I didn't have the time and the commitment to do more. I had gotten my legs back. I had really worked hard on my balance. And even though the balance did in fact come back to full capacity, which the doctors told me it never would, not right. possible, you know, it, it's all back. <laughs> and do you still skate today, Gary? Well, if you go to my YouTube page or Facebook page, there's pictures of me skating last weekend at Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego because they have a nice rink on the sand, on the beach, and it's 74 degrees. I'm out on wet ice skating. (laughs) There's some video on there. (laughs) Wow. So you do still skate. Do you still do some figure skating moves? Uh, well, when it's in when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. It becomes so natural. It's like a pianist sits down and puts their fingers down, and they play gorgeous music. All I have to do is put skates on, step on wet ice, hear the music, and somehow your body just goes into what it remembers. It's memorized what to do, and it's just it's it's magnificent feeling to just to realize you can express life with such art and motion. So then. Quite a number of years have passed, and now you teach people who have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder. How did you get to that point? Well, when you've healed the way I've healed, people want to know, what did you do? How did you do it? I didn't have answers. And let's face it, I took everything. I mean, right. people talk about Tony Robbins being their leader. I worked in Tony's program. I, I did everything you can imagine. Literally, I researched because I had to be able to explain to people how, why, what, when, everything I could. Because of it, I created programs that originally was a three-day program that would end up at a point where there wouldn't be a memory they could think of that would still bother them. Because I realized dis-ease is exactly that. There is a dis-ease at the level of the mind. So knowing that, I wanted to get to where we could heal the memory structure, knowing the body would fall into alignment with the healing potential based on that. And because of it, that's where I that's where I started. And for 34 years, that really was what I did, a program that took three days to do, which today is two days called restoration. But oh, be, I see. Because of that, and my always seeking to take whatever was out there and make refine it to where it was the simplest technique to learn so that anybody could do it and could do it in the shortest amount of time rather than days, weeks, months, and years. I mean, I've, I've got people doing things in hours that used to take 10 years to do. But so describe some of those things that people do when you do your two-day restoration session. Well, the first thing is to unlock them and make them realize they're responsible for where they're at in life. You can't blame mom or dad or anybody else. You're the one responsible. When you recognize that, then what do we do that allows you to change? And it means we've got to take the energy of who you are in there and integrate you into a whole self. You've got to recognize and allow yourself to become whole, to become complete, to connect with that energy that flows through your heart that allows you to live and breathe and have your being. You know, getting to a point where you even recognize yourself as being love living is a mega change in anybody. It'll change their life forever. Right. But the key to the work in the end is that when we've finished, because I'll teach them how to neutralize any major, all the way to minor memories, and neutralize those memories so they no longer bother you in seconds, that was the key to the work. It literally cleaned up a lifetime of history 
And then we just we watch the miracles take place in people. So over 30, well, now it's 37 years, there hasn't been any failure in that work because of the power of what it does. And of course, the new piece got added in June 6th of 2014. And that's when I got the piece that today's neutralizing PTSD level memories. And okay, now just stop it. for a second. Yeah. The new piece yeah. is called what? Tell me so, again. Soul Link, S-O-U-L-L-I-N-K. Soul Link. Yeah. And that's the new piece of your training, yeah. which you have now used to teach 10, no, yeah, 10,000 people. How about we up that by two? <laughs> wow, 12,000 people. Oh, it is growing so fast. So I just want to, I just want to kind of regroup here. So you're saying that what people, what is holding people back are their, uh, is their mindset, is the story that they've created inside their mind that they're telling themselves, and you are able to help them forget that story. Is Ab that true? Absolutely. Right. It isn't, it isn't forget the story. It's take the negative charge out of the story so that the story loses its effect upon them. It loses its controlling interest. Oh. Yeah. And so, so I want to know more about how you do that. <laughs> Everybody has longitudinal meridians that are in the body. They run from their little all their toes up to the brain and out to the hands. Across the hand, we have transverse meridians. So the reality is the hand in and of itself has the capacity to connect with the entire energy field of who a person is. So what I've learned is how to connect up that energy field and do a process that literally magnifies the potential of that field of energy, which is the identity of who you are. When that happens, HeartMath Institute tells us that field is positive, 5,000 times stronger as an energy field than even what the mind holds in place because the mind would function at 100 compared to 5,000. So by potentiating the power of the positive energy field doing soul link, it causes that power to become so strong that no matter what a person's holding in mind, if there is a negative charge, it pulls a negative charge out of that memory. Now, you mentioned positive. Heart Math Institute. Did you study with Heart Math Institute? I, I've not gone there to study, but they're well aware of the work that I'm doing. I, I've, I've studied with about everybody you can think of, though. It sounds like yeah, you've yeah. you've studied all kinds yeah. of things. You've had acupuncture. Yeah. I'm sure you've oh, done yeah. so many different things <laughs> to try to heal you. Yeah. And then it worked, something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah. a miracle, like you've described. Uh, now, I want to, as we move on, Gary, I want to ask you a question specifically about bullying. I know that you said as a kid you were bullied on a regular yeah. basis, but do you have one story that you can share with us where either mindfulness did make a huge difference or mindfulness would have made a difference? Wow. Uh, the quickest one that just came to mind is I can remember standing on the edge of the ice rink getting ready to go out and compete because uh, the, the judges had told me that they didn't have a high enough category age level for me to really be there. And if I didn't mind, they would combine me with the 21 year and over. But I'd need to understand that if I didn't win, of course, I wouldn't receive a medal. And that was fine with me. I said, I'm here to win. Right. And as, as I go to one of the ice, the young man standing there who just came off said, OK, Pops, go show us what you think you can do. And my mind immediately popped to what I knew was a mindset. And I said to him, sir, if you don't mind, if I were you, I'd stand right here because I'm not going out there to show you how I win a medal. I'm going out there to show you why I won it already. Uh -huh. That's a mindset. That's mindfulness. That's putting right. life in preview and living it. You know, the average person has 60,000 complete thoughts a day. 
80 to 85 percent of those thoughts I had yesterday and tomorrow doesn't become different. Yes. Life is different for me because I look at tomorrow as knowing that's my future. It's my job to create it. It's my job to live it. It's my job to be who I am in my mind, in a mindset now that produces the future that I desire and the change in other people's lives because of it. And you're truly vibrant. You're truly <laughs> excited about life. Do you meditate? Yeah. Is that part of your life? Uh, for me, a meditation would be as simple as just taking an absolute nice deep breath, pausing long enough to thank my creator that I live and breathe and have my being and say, what do I now need to know that in me will cause somebody else's life to change? And there I am right there. Just like that. Just and like that. Do yeah. you still consider yourself a Christian? Oh, I, I would have to use the word Christian because of my background in history. Uh, I would not negate that at all. Uh, I, I would definitely say, yes, I'm definitely not a Buddhist. I'm definitely not a Hindu. Uh, so I would, I would definitely use that terminology. But what I would say more is I am what the creator is. I live and breathe and have my being because there's a being inside of me that causes the field to exist. The field is my identity. And I identify myself as being what the field is more and I identify myself of being what this body is. This body is just following along with the potentiality that the field has created for it to exist and be. And therefore, right. I live and breathe and have my being. Okay. So you have created these trainings and you are an entrepreneur with this, right? right? And Absolutely. how do you get booked? How do you find places to go and people to train? Uh, interesting right now, I'm spending all my time doing certification trainings because I recognize uh, that, that this work has absolutely got to get out there. You know, when, when you've got somebody who, for example, uh, shot a face off in Vietnam and for 61 years they wake up with a nightmare, you do this work to them and they look at you and you say, you know, as you think about that memory, check the emotions and feelings. Are they now neutral? And they say, I can't tell you. And you ask why. And they say, I can't find the face. That's 61 years of trauma negated and changed in 40 seconds. It yes. has to get out there. So my time is really spent in certification training and that they can register for through the website. Um, I start international training as of January because I'm patent pending on the work. I've done everything that I know that I need to do to have it at its most simplistic level where people can actually teach it. There's only about 70 people in the globe right now who are certified to do this work. Well, I was just going to ask lives. you about that, about yeah. other people who are yeah. certified. So you've yeah. trained 70 other people to yeah. teach what you've created. Exactly. Right? With no hint of failure. I mean, it's just, I want to cry. Wow. Wow. Incredible. And are you still training more people to be trainers? Oh, yes. Again, there is a level that they can reach called Master Trainer. There is one in the globe. She's actually out of Australia named Kelly Burtonen. She's the only one right now that is a Master Trainer for this level of work. Yes, she does everything that I do and qualified to do it. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Now, I think you mentioned that you you lost your wife a couple of years ago. Is that right? Did you no, tell I me that? I actually lost my wife in March after 52 years of marriage. So oh, in just this, March. This holiday season in its own way is, is a little bit rough. And the moment I feel that roughness, I use Solink and I realize she loves me and I love her and we're still connected. I was just going to say, how do you deal with that loss? And yeah. I guess that's how. Is exactly. Can you expand on that at all? You use Soul Link. You use your own method yeah. to help yourself yeah. deal with the loss you've experienced. Exactly. 
whether it's a positive I want to imprint or a negative I want to negate, as long as I'm feeling something that needs to change, Soulink will in 20 seconds change it. It'll empower it or it will negate it. That's, that's why it is so great. The fact that we can teach somebody else to do it for themselves, literally, and do it in 20 seconds. Doing it to them takes 30 to 40 seconds. What, what right. can I say? It hasn't failed with 12,000 people. And I'm, I'm recalling back to you and I standing in that <laughs> lobby in San Diego. And I think you took my hand and you said, okay, Bruce, you said, think about a memory, a, a, a memory that you really wish you didn't have. Isn't that what you said? No, I said a memory that you realize still bothers you. Think about your worst memory okay. ever. And if you realize what that was, hold on to that memory. Give me permission to touch your hands and simply close your eyes. 40 seconds later, you and I looked at each other again and something had happened that right. I call a miracle. It's right. changing the face of therapy globally because there is no work that I know of that is this successful. And what other things are you doing to get the word out there? Are, are you writing a book or are you, tell us how you're getting the word out there. The book Healing Memories in Seconds, Seven Ways It Works is available on Amazon. It really only scratches the surface. It's the training that somebody really needs. Uh, just the Soul Link itself is an 80-page manual. And then when I add into that other energetic processes that I've created, like awareness and consciousness, I mean, that unlocks pain in the body that's been there longer than five years. It unlocks it, so it's gone for many people in less than two minutes. So when did you write the book, Healing Memories in Seconds? Uh, probably, uh, it came out probably in January of 2015. Okay, so not very long ago. No, oh no, no, no. And again, I don't really push it per se, simply because it only scratches the surface. The key to it is to go and get the training or work with a memory mentor, that's what they're called, who actually are trained to do this work with you already. So it's why a life-changing session, which is a two-hour session, for anybody uses tools directly out of that program and changes their life forever. And those are available through the website. Okay, well, you, you mentioned about a Vietnam vet that you worked with. Can you tell us one more story about somebody, a real person that you have helped to move forward in this? Wow. Oh, my head would race with them. I, I think the lady who, who literally at age three had heard the doctor say, you're going to die. Uh, they had taken her to her grandmother's while her family went away for an extended vacation. And when they came home, they found her laying underneath her grandmother because her grandmother was a big, heavy woman. Okay. And what she explained was that uh, when the family left, she went to the window to see them leave and was crying. And Grammy came over to give her a hug and fell down on top of her. So that the only thing she had was her head sideways laying out under grandmother. And grandmother was a big woman and she didn't get up from under grandmother until Monday afternoon. I mean, wow. literally, she came to see me the following day at the expo I was teaching at and said, I just got to tell you, you've changed my life. You've so changed my life. Just, I woke up during the night and realized I could possibly have a friend now. Now think about that statement. She's wow. been aged three to 76, 73 years. She's lived with a horror and a trauma. This caused her to feel that this, I can't really have a friend because they'll die. And then she looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I woke up again realizing I might even be able to have a relationship. With Incredible. that, she grabbed me and hugged me. And I said, not so tight, dear. I didn't want her to break my bones. No, I guess not. <laughs> well, well, you know, Gary, as we move forward toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced the mindfulness in your life? 
oh, David Hawkins with Power Versus Force and the other 21 books or so he's put out because he gave me a verifiable reference that worked in relating to where people are at. Okay. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Gary? Wow. Because I live and breathe and have my being in that, which is the energy. Mindfulness is, it, it's, it's where we're at. We walk and talk and live it. We don't realize we do. We think we don't. We think it's something we have to go for, something we have to get. But the reality is, it's who we are. Move into it. Become that which you are. Tell us how breathing is now a part of your mindfulness practice. Wow. Uh, the answer is simply take a deep breath, hold it, and then just slowly let it out and notice what happens to your entire being. What Beautiful. changed in your thought while you were doing it? There's your answer. Hmm. Two things you have to have, the energy of the heartbeat and breath in order to live. Breath of life. True. Enjoy it. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that book be? One singular book, I still, boy, that, that's a tough one because I'm not a book, I'm a bookworm to the point where I'm looking for answers for other people. But a specific book that's out there today, I really don't, I honestly can't say that I've got one. I think the whole series of David Hawkins material would help people to understand themselves so that as they go internal, they'd have a better grasp of who they are in there. But there's not been a significant piece that I've ever looked at that's really taken me there. When I'm looking at something, I'm looking at therapies, how and why they work, and they all basic work into a mindfulness mode. Right. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? <laughs> I wish I could say yes, but I really don't have an app. Uh, I, 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 I have a phone, <laughs> and I screw my phone up often, but I really don't have an app. Right, so sure. It, it's, it's not one that's, that's going to be me. I, I'm alive and living and working with a human being. <laughs> That's <laughs> your app, yeah. actually doing it. Right. Well, it has been an honor to have you on the show. Fascinating to hear your story and to hear all the work you're doing to help thousands of people transform their lives. How can we reach out to you? How can we connect with you? How could we even potentially get training from you? Uh, memory, energy, therapy.com memoryenergytherapy.com is the website when they go on there they can register for a two-hour life-changing session which in fact will allow the memory mentor that will work with them to actually teach them how to do that soul link process it'll also change their life forever to where they'll realize i really want to do the two-day restoration because i want to do my life so there's just there's so many tools that are out there and available but if they start with memoryenergytherapy.com they can at least connect there and we'll do what we can to assist them in learning to become love living as a way of being a way of living a way of existing for the rest of their life as well memoryenergytherapy.com mindfulness Absolutely. mode you know you've you've heard it here mindful tribe memory energy, energy. .com. look it up check it out you deserve it. You know, you deserve to check this out and and know that Gary is out there helping people month after month after month in the thousands, in the tens of thousands. So, Gary, thanks again for being on the show with us today here on Mindfulness Mode. Love you to life, my friend. I'm still thrilled from the day I met you. It just You were the first. And look at where we've come from then.
Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Gary. Yep. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.